Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Nights in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Coming at you live from Blue Line Deli and Bagels here in Huntington, showing off these brand new Butchie Burgers. We had them before the show, and they are delicious. Looking forward to having some more. Big show coming up for you today. It is Patrick Wah Bonanza. Here at Blue Line Deli and Bagels, big news yesterday, Lane Lambert ends up getting fired by the New York Islanders, and to, I think, almost the entire hockey world's surprise, Patrick Waugh, hired by the New York Islanders to be the new head coach, wild, wild stuff, can't wait to dive in. Ethan Sears of the New York Post is with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Absolutely. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner, looking very spiffy today. I do it for you. I do it for you. You're a, you're a wonderful gentleman. Thank you so much for that. So, without further ado, let's talk about our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located right here at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Check out the menu or order online at bluelinedeli.com. Also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Also happy to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law, ready to fight for you. Check them out at razorandkniff.com, R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com for a free consultation. And also proud to be sponsored by A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge for sports, concerts, Broadway, and more. One call does it all at 516-787-0048. And folks, if you join us in the chat, don't forget to get your questions in for Questions Brewing later on so we can answer. Just throw Questions Brewing at the top of your chat and then whatever question you got, and we will try to get to it during that segment. So, fellas, big news here. Lambert is out. Patrick Waugh is in. Let's get right into it. Let's start with Lane Lambert, just the fallout here, just the, the epilogue, if you will, for for Lane Lambert, right? He goes 61-46-20 in his first 127 games during the regular season for the Islanders, 2-4 and four in the playoffs. Was Chicago the last straw here, or was this already in motion just with everything that was going on previously? Well, you know, l- last week being on the road, L- Lou Lamarillo not being on that trip was probably a sign that, that things had maybe been in motion, that he was thinking about a change before they went on the road. Um, and then really throughout that trip um you know maybe they got a little bit unlucky in, in nashville or, or winnipeg what have you but you know an effort in minnesota that was just all around unacceptable and then coming out you know against the blackhawks and just you look at the start of that game it, it's a must-win situation just from an emotional standpoint um and they go and give up the first seven or eight shots of the game they really didn't start playing until the third period you know, if, if maybe right. Lou was thinking about a change, you know, that probably had to have sealed it. And Ethan says it too, just concerning the way they were playing, right? I mean, again, this is a group that we, we think, uh, you know, on paper, they shouldn't have sparks this year. They have the talent to be a top three team in the Metropolitan sure. Division. Yeah, we've seen it. And they weren't. They're, again, we know the blow leads early in the year. We know that seven-game skid out west before maybe Wallstrom saved his job. But you just never saw that consistency happen. You saw the inconsistencies continue to happen. So I guess it was inconsistently consistent, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but for sure. again, I think you saw this trip, especially the you know losing to Nashville on a bad break when you probably play your best game of the year. It's probably like okay, that's an issue. And then the way stuff happens in Minnesota and the way 
everything unfolds, it was kind of like uh, the writing's on the wall. Lane's time's coming to an end here. Yeah, I think we finally saw that that Lane kind of lost the room, I think. Because, look, these are veterans. They know how to play the game. And the fact that they weren't coming out for him anymore, for themselves anymore. I mean, whether you liked Lane or not, and I know a lot of Islander fans by the time we got here weren't <laughs> liking him too much. But, look, it, it looked like it ran its course. And, and, and for me, the last straw was the Chicago game. I mean, if I, I was saying it to some buddies. I was like, look, if they lose that, if they don't come out and destroy the Hawks, and they didn't do that at all, right? And they end up just getting, you know, they, they, they lose. They lose in overtime. They should have at least won the game. And even if they did, I tweeted it during the game, too. I said, even if they, they come back in this game and pull out, like, a last-minute win, and they almost did, I said, there still would have been so many alarming signs about just how that game went. You know, so to see how they came out, it went awful. And, look, I, I wasn't surprised to hear the news yesterday about Lane Lambert getting fired, but I was absolutely shocked that Patrick Waugh was the guy coming in. And I want to start talking about him, but just a last-minute thing here on Lane, just again to, to go with this epilogue here. You give him a little credit for getting the power play going, him and Johnny Mack, especially after last season. Uh, he, they get some great offensive output out of Barzell, out of their stars, right? Dobson, Horvat, um, you know, they're, they hang with a lot of the top teams in the league. They're scoring high goals with those guys, whether they're, whether they're losing in overtime or not. But they uncorked the offense a little bit, even though the goals for average, if you look at the stats, is the same. But I feel like they were still hanging with some of these teams. So you give them credit there, but but you look at the defense, absolute disaster. And right? then you also look at it as, I think in talking to a lot of players today, Ethan will say the same thing. They feel accountable for what happened. And I think, they should. Oh, I think again, Lane had his flaws for sure. But at the end of the day, Lane did not get the most out of his players consistently, and that's why he's out of a job. Again, maybe was he the right coach to bring in after firing trots? Probably not. And I think Lou addressed it yesterday when he was asked about making the move to say, why didn't it work out with Lane? He said, I really don't have an answer for you. But the players said, we didn't play well enough, and we cost Lane the job. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, in November when they were on that losing streak, he talked to the players and asked about Lane, and they said, we, we like playing for Lane. Mm-hmm. We don't want there to be a change. And, and even in Chicago the other night, you know, I was talking to Matt Martin, and kind of I, I asked him, you know, does this team need some kind of a jolt? And, and he said look, I, I know what you're referring to. Right. Um, we really don't want that to happen. We're accountable for this. So, you know, I, I don't think that this was a case of, you know, players, you know, having any kind of mutiny or, or saying, you know, we want to change or anything like that. But at sure. the same time, like Stefan said, I mean, it, it was pretty obvious by the end that whatever Lane was doing, it, it just wasn't getting through. And, you know, even this morning watching them on the ice with Patrick Waugh, I mean, it, it was a completely different energy, a completely different intensity. And, you know, we'll see if that actually translates to the game tonight. But just right off the bat, you, you can see that this has maybe galvanized the group. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. And, and the one thing I'll, I'll leave with here on, on Lane Lambert, and look, we, we talked about the offense a little bit just before, but the defense being as bad as it was, I didn't know it was this bad. So Mike, oh, Kelly, it's bad. Mike Kelly of NHL Network put it in perspective stats-wise for me. He rattled off this tweet, and he said, Islanders' current per-game ranks against shot attempts, 32nd overall in the league. Inner slot shots, 32nd overall in the league. Rush chances, 32nd. Rebound chances, 32nd. Expected goals, 32nd. Slot passes, 30th. Cycle chances, 29th. What else do you have to say there? I mean, just an absolute disaster on defense. And it's, it's so weird, and we've talked about it so much that a group, again, I know it was a couple of years ago under trots, but this was their bread and butter, and most of these guys are the same. I mean, again, even when we talk about defense, it's about forwards helping out, too. And we saw the Nashville game, I think Ethan would agree, too. I think we spoke about it during the game. Right. That was their best defensive. Like, forwards were back-checking more than I'd ever seen. Now, that Im- impacts your ability to transition, which was an issue under trots. But that was their best game 
if they have it in them, this group has it in them to play that style and win games. It's so weird how that just went out the window, the little details. Well, and, and not even just under trots, but even last year, you look at the way they sort of turned it around after a bad January and went on to make the playoffs. I mean, and, and without Matt Barzell, the, the way they did that was going back to, to their basics, going back to their structure, trying to lock things down. And, mm. and obviously, Elias Sorokin had a pretty big role in that. <laughs> it's it's not just yeah. good defense. <laughs> sure. But, He's pretty that, good. but that doesn't happen without, you know, much better structure and you know under the same coaching staff that they have this year right with, with really basically the same roster and to, to watch it kind of fall apart was it was astonishing really yeah astonishing is the word and, and you know look I was rooting for Lane you know what I mean I was hoping they were going to work it out they got to the halfway point of the season and I was like and just to to both of your guys points we saw what this squad could do not only the players themselves but Lane Lambert was behind the bench when all the good stuff was happening on the defensive end. Yep. So it's not like he wasn't part of that system. It's not like he wasn't part of that strategy, the X's and O's, where he still could have tried to take this team and make it happen on the defensive side. We saw it in the second half of last year when they picked it up in February. They went on the run to get into the playoffs. And for whatever reason, it just completely fell off the tracks this year. And they couldn't get the defensive game going. And, you know, you got to figure at the very least it's a product of not only whatever messages are getting through from his end, but also the players just not being able to adapt. And so, again, we talk about how strange it is, but you look at a lot of teams in this league, like Toronto, Edmonton, where it's all about just outscoring your opponents. Georgiev, I think, has the most wins in the league, and he's also allowed the most goals. Or he's up there. So, like, it's, it's been bad, sure. and I think the Islanders, you know, that's kind of how you have to play in the regular season. You can't play that grinding defense we've seen under trots where they just barely get in. So I think Lane was smart to move away from that a little bit, but you look at the Flyers right now. They're the most disciplined team. And not even disciplined in just terms of penalties. Disciplined in terms of making the right decisions. You look at the Islanders. A lot of games, the structure was fine, but pucks going through defenders' legs. or not boxing out where right. the players just failed to make the play. And I think you look at it, and that's what the Islanders need from right now going forward is their defensive structure I don't think could ever get back to what it once was, but just cutting down on the turnovers. Because if they don't turn the puck over, they won't take as many penalties. The PK won't have to be put under pressure. Sorokin will be able to relax a little bit more. It's key to everything. Yeah, it was kind of a domino effect, right, between missed assignments, between turnovers, penalties at inopportune times, canceling their own power plays, and it all just kind of, uh, you know, bunched into this one big problem on defense where they just couldn't keep pucks out of the net. I don't know if you have anything to add there, Ethan. Yeah, I mean, I I would just maybe add that the lack of physicality as well has been really just jarring to see. Um, you know, the the way they've gotten, you know, pushed around in some of these games, and you you think about the sort of identity that, that you associate with the Islanders, right? And the sort of, you know, they're going to grind you down. They're going to be physical. They're going to win 2-1 games. They're going to win 3-2 games. And, you know, I remember we were in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and, and Jared Bednar got asked, you know, something along the lines of, you know, what, what's it like to play the Islanders? They have this identity that's so, you know, defensive and so different. And he kind of said, well, they don't really have that this year. And, you know, he, he turned it into a compliment and started talking about, you know, well, they're, they're much right. more offensive yeah. and Barzell and Dobson mm-hmm. are going. But, you know, it's a different thing from teams, you know, not wanting to play the Islanders or coming in knowing that they're going to be worn down. I, right. I don't think that this is – or that, that this has been a hard team to play against really in – Really at all. How many teams do you think went into the locker room in a second intermission and said, fellas, we're fine? Dude, We've third intermission. <laughs> uh, a second, oh, sorry. Going into the, you're right. Yeah, sorry, like when the Islanders yeah. are up by a goal yeah. or two, right? 
And whoever they're playing are like, boys, we're not out of this. We've seen what these guys have done in past third periods. Just keep pressing them. We'll get there. And how many times did that happen? I mean, you got to figure, talking about mentalities of other teams, you have to figure that's what other teams are thinking. Yeah, 100%. I mean, all you have to do is look at how many times in the third period did they <laughs> fail to hang on to a lead. And like Stefan said, I mean, that is something that, that had been the bread and butter of this group for a long, long time that kind of just fell right apart this year. Right. So before we move on to the man of the hour, last thing for Lane Lambert, do you think Barry Trotz has a job for him somewhere in Nashville now that the Islands have cut him loose? Yeah. For, I mean, I'll let Ethan go after, but for sure. They've been together for, what, for 11 years. I think, I think Trotz will do whatever he can to help Lane get a job, mm-hmm. whether it's with Nashville or somewhere else. Um, maybe not as a head coach. I don't know if Lane wants – I mean, no, I can't speak for Lane. No, I think it would be but, yeah. some other position. I think he likes Brunette behind the bench right yeah. now. So, But maybe he ends up as, as an associate coach or just a job within the organization just because, I mean, they've pretty much been tied at the hip until these last two years. Two things would be Joined funny. One – there you go. <laughs> One, it would be funny if he goes and takes uh, Wah's job with the Quebec Ramparts. That would be funny. Number sure. two is, again, rumors swirling maybe in Toronto, which <laughs> – Stop. Really? The, I mean – Rumors are rumors. I didn't make it rumors up. Rumors are rumors. But um, that no, would be I, I think Lane. That would, would be amazing. No, it wouldn't. He wouldn't. You think you would survive oh, the no, media no, in Toronto? I, I mean, from a purely entertainment standpoint, oh. that would be amazing. Lane Lambert taking over for the Maple Leafs and the Islanders meeting the Maple Leafs uh, later in the season if they have a game left in the schedule. But I mean, that would be amazing. Johnny T and, and Lambert on the same bench, awesome. Yeah, Johnny T, who didn't really speak much as a captain, and Lane, who doesn't speak much either. That'd be great. Not our problem. No, that is true. <laughs> not our problem. <laughs> um, yeah, to answer your question, I <laughs> certainly would not be surprised in the slightest if uh, if Barry had a, a, some kind of job open for Lane. And to be honest with you, I don't know if, that I would necessarily, you know, say that he can't be a head coach in this in this league. I, I think this was a really, really hard position for him to be put in. Sure. Um, Big shoes you to know, fill. I, the fan base here probably never really <laughs> wanted to see Barry fired and kind of put that I guess, you know, projected that onto Lane and, and he never really won over the fan base. And that, that's not to say that he didn't have a role in that. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that this was an incredibly, incredibly hard position for him to be put in. Right. And, you know, I don't think that he is by any means solely responsible for what happened. And you look at, we'll get to Patrick Juan in a sec, obviously yes. diving in, but you look at him coaching three years in Colorado, wa- winning Jack Adams, and then walking away from the team. And you look at his record and things like that. But for Lane, and we talked about before, even the players yeah. said, like, he never got the most out of this team. He's pro- Obviously, if they're winning, he's still the coach. But again, a tough spot for him where he was given more talent than Trotz had. And just it didn't work out. So I think he'll get another chance at some point. Like, again, Wa said that he, when he left Colorado, he thought he would, his phone would ring a lot sooner than it did. Right. Um, so we'll see what the future is for Lane. But I think it's time to dive into uh, Patrick Wah. It is Wah. time to dive into Patrick Wah, a living legend on the ice here. Hall of Fame goaltender, four-time cup winner, three Vesna trophies, only three-time Conn Smythe winner, a Jack Adams winner, Memorial Cup winner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he has not coached in the NHL since 2016, and he kind of left on bad terms. But, fellas, give me your initial reactions. When you got the news yesterday and you guys got to see him on the ice for the first time today, what did you see? Oh, when I got the text, I had to do a double take. Same way when the Horvath deal happened, I was driving. I was like, this this can't be real. And then on the ice, like Ethan said before, holy you-know-what. It was like a drill sergeant getting his troops ready for war. Uh, Lane wanted fire. 
He bought a flamethrower. This guy is love that. Again, just watching. You're hearing every every shift uh, or every drill between drills. Sprints to the bench. Skid stops. Sprints to center. Screaming at them during their zone breakouts and line rushes. I was I was honestly in awe of just how quickly he did that, and also how the players react. I mean, they had no choice, right? Sure. But it was like, yes, sir. Like they were ready to go, and okay. I think that the environment and the atmosphere today was. Wow, this is a brand new team. In my eyes, just the way everything ran this morning was this is a new age of Islanders hockey. Okay, Ethan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, obviously we haven't seen it in an actual game yet, but but just like Stefan was saying, completely different intensity, completely different energy this morning. I mean, they're doing line rushes, and and Patrick Watt says, "Stop, we we need to be good at this. Do it right." And it's, I mean, it's it's completely different. The energy around this team, the, just this morning, on a on a whole new level, and you know, you you hear him speak and and the sort of admiration that that he has for the organization, for the for the dynasty. He talked about you know being neighbors with Mike Bossy in in Toronto and and Bossy's daughter babysitting his kids. He t- he talked about how in awe he was, you know, as a rookie coming into to the Coliseum and and facing you know Bossy at Trottier, Gillies, Smith. I mean, it it really does feel like he has j- just a, a different kind of energy, and and you know I I don't I don't want to overreact without without seeing a game, <laughs> but um I mean it's it it's exciting it it's it's exciting to to have something like this happen you know when the season had had really kind of been getting lethargic. And I think it's say. important to note um, again we know how fiery and how passionate he was right. as a player and as a coach with Colorado first game. First game of trying to fight. What a clip. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. Bruce Brujo, who he probably would have won. Um, but uh, <laughs> but he goes down to the Ramparts mm-hmm. and spends time. And I, right. think he, I think he matured there a little bit. Dealing with kids is obviously so. different. But he sounds like he's so honored for this opportunity. He learned a right. lot down mm-hmm. there. It's Again, it's much different coaching kids than coaching an NHL player. But like coming up now, I'm not expecting him to go fight, you know, I don't know, Lindy Ruff, <laughs> right? I, I don't expect him to go do I'm that stuff. I'm here for it if it happens. But I do think that... <laughs> The reason that Lou brought him in was because of that fire. I don't think he wants to hide his identity. That's the whole point he got hired. Yeah, for sure. And and like it's great to see that he he does seem a bit humbled by what happened at the end of Colorado. And like you said, he went down to you know the queue and uh, won a memorial there and led that team. Uh, no, it's just for me. It came out of nowhere. Like like again, I thought I thought something was coming here, but like Patrick Watt was the last name that I was thinking of. But it also gives us, I think, a little insight into just where the franchise yep. is and where Lou Lamorello is. In that, I know you and I have talked about this on the show previously, where whoever, if, if there was ever going to be a replacement for Lane Lambert, whoever that was was kind of going to give us an indication where Lou Lamarillo was with the organization. This tells me that Lou probably is going to be around for a little longer than maybe we thought. I know he, the, Patrick Waugh has been out of the league for a little while, but but I don't think that he's he's a, uh, a temporary hire here. I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to be with the team beyond the end of this season and probably after the next, unless it's just an absolute disaster. But I think this means that I don't think that Lou is riding into the sunset this summer. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. But I think because he hired a guy like just a, I mean Patrick Waugh, the whole league is talking about this. Yeah, huge hire. Everybody's turned their head as soon as Patrick Waugh's here, right? And I think that means that Lou is still kind of in control because if because if like we've said, if he had just bumped up John McClain or something like that, or brought somebody else in, maybe a little unknown or something like that to kind of give him a trial run. We even talked about uh, the gentleman who took over in what was it, Minnesota, right? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, John Hines. Yep. Um, you know, we said that could have been like a temporary thing, mm-hmm. but I think this is more of a permanent thing, and uh, maybe that means Lane sticking around. But but look, 
from a purely just sports fan perspective, entertainment perspective, regardless of what happens on the ice, I think this is going to be must-see TV for Islander fans and hockey fans, and I just can't wait to see it kick off tonight. To go to your point about management, we know that Patrick Waugh, he said it yesterday, and whether it's true or not going forward, he does not right. want to be right. in management at all, but he had spoken a lot, and this is why I think that it was a joint decision with Scott Malkin, majority owner, and Lou, because yeah, we don't know Lou's contract. Where's ownership going to allow him to fire coach and hire a new one if he wasn't going to be around. Now, I'm not saying this deal means lose around, but that being said, um, Patrick Waugh has been praising Malkin right. when he can right. so much for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So to me, what right. it tells me is that it was a joint agreement, ownership and Lou, right. that, hey, if we're going to fire Lane, we're going to probably agree on who we're bringing in here, and they bring Patrick Waugh. So I don't know if that means Lou's still around, but I do think that ownership had a clear part of this decision process. I just, I just feel like if, if, they were, if Lou was going to leave at the end of the summer – then if the new guy comes in, they're just going to keep Patrick Waugh around because they just signed him. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Usually a new GM comes in, they're going to hire their own coach. So, Ethan, you can you can chime in on this too, but I think this might mean they'll lose around for a little longer. Yeah, I, the one thing I would add, there's not an interim tag here with Patrick exactly. Waugh. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that tells you that, and, and we don't know, you know, the contractor, you know, wh- whether or not it's for multiple years, how long, whatever, but that that tells you that everyone here is at least – envisioning and hoping that Patrick Waugh is the coach beyond the end of the 2023-24 season. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, maybe things go off the rails and then kind of anything is on the table. Who knows? But you're not hiring a guy, you know, without an interim tag in the middle of the season if you are – if you're thinking, okay, we need to reevaluate the entire organization in June. Right. And if we, we spoke about it a lot, about how you know, Lou gets a lot of, you know what, for everything, but you look at everything he's done this year. When the defense went down, who went in God? Signing Horvat long-term, Sorokin long-term. Um, all the things he's made to fill gaps to help this team, that should have helped enough to find consistency, and it didn't happen. But maybe he fired Lane a little too late, but he brings in a guy like Patrick Waugh, and we'll see what happens now. But I think if the Islanders make the playoffs and they're winning games, and Waugh really shows that he could get the most out of this group, Nobody should be mad if Falou is at the helm next year. So speaking of this group, what does this move mean for the players in the locker room? How is this going to affect those guys? So it's their first new voice since Trotz came in because mm-hmm. Lane was here. I think for them it's first impressions now, right? No one To me, nobody is safe. Yes, contracts play a part, but everyone that has played bad this year at a time, this is a chance to – you know, Wass said today, we're not, I don't want to talk about the past. So for guys that are struggling like Kyle Palmieri or Scott Mayfield told me today that like – He's been not been great, and he knows he has to be better, but guys like Oliver Wallstrom, who is on their third coach now, who definitely needed a new voice because Trotz and Lane, obviously, he had to earn the shot. He didn't deserve to get chances to play, but for a guy like Oliver Wallstrom, this is huge for him to get a new coach, a new fresh start. Guys like Envil, up and down the lineup, not everyone's played to their best of their abilities, and now is their chance to show a new coach, hey, I deserve X amount of minutes per game. It doesn't matter. My stats don't matter right now. It's what I do going forward. I, I think that getting someone who is coming in from the outside of the organization is really important because this and, and the, the, I'm talking here about everyone not not just players not just management not just Lane I don't think that the Islanders have done a great job at telling themselves the truth about where this organization is at mm. um you know you look at at last year if you look at pure wins and losses you include the playoffs they were exactly 500 um including overtime losses as losses Mm. You look at this year, if you're just looking at pure wins and losses, they're below 500. Um, that doesn't mean they can't be better, mm. but 
you know, you listen to Patrick Waugh this morning saying, yeah, you look at the analytics, the Islanders are at the bottom of the league in breakouts. They're at the bottom of the league in, in defensive zone and offensive zone possession time. Uh, if you're not good at breaking out, you're not going to be good defensively. Um, these are things that the Islanders, maybe maybe it's wrong to say that they haven't heard them before, but they probably have not stressed in this way. Uh, Lane Lambert was not an analytics person really at all. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, for Patrick Waugh to be to be talking about that in his first press conference, to be able to you know come in with a fresh perspective and say, "This is what's wrong," and here is how we have to play in order to fix it. I, I think that's something that is going to be really important for this group because, as important as it is, and, and as good as it is for the Islanders to have had, you know, all of all of this experience and all of these guys who have spent so long playing together, I, I do think that there is probably an element there of everyone sort of just figured that they could fall back on that experience and you know now somebody can come in and say you can't just do that and sometimes the truth hurts you know again like he just said no one has said it lane every time we asked about defense he'd Mm -hmm. snap and say we have no defensive issues like again tough sell when you're watching and saying (laughs) up i could point out thirteen thousand things that just happened but for what Ethan said is a perfect example like he comes in here and he says, right now, we are bad at all of these things and we're not going to get better unless we fix all of these things. And now it puts the onus on the players, but again, puts the onus on the organization that what was happening before is not going to be tolerated now. Well, speaking of fixing things, not only does he have to do it starting literally from the bottom, but he has to do it on the fly. Yep. No training camp, midseason. Is this guy going to be able to turn the defense around while maintaining the somewhat decent offensive output that they've shown so far this season. Well, I think the biggest thing is accountability that maybe wasn't here under Lane. At times, of course, Engvall being benched, Mike Riley being benched. But in terms of accountability, where like if you play for trots, uh, for torts, the last thing you want to do is go back to the bench after making a mistake because he's going <laughs> to say sure, you're yeah. just, So tonight, again, the energy that we saw at morning skate, you think that's going to be infectious. That's what Lee said today, that it's infectious the way he operates. That I think they'll be smarter tonight. And that's, again, a lot of the issues they're making are just mental mistakes, that it's not a... He's got to come in here and establish a brand new system. He just got to get them playing the way they know how to play that they've played before. So I think it'll help him because a lot of these issues are are very simple fixes. Um, And I just think for the Islanders, it starts with the leadership, the top guys not making those mistakes. But again, you having to go to the bench with a brand new coach where your first impression could be your last, right? The lesson they're going to do is try to do too much, I think, out there tonight and play really north-south game tonight, get in on the forecheck, make the smart plays. And I think that will help ultimately with the breakouts and everything that's wrong. But again, it's a stepping stone. I don't think I don't expect tonight, like if they lose tonight, right. it's gonna they're going to they're gonna lose games the rest of the year. But right. again, the lack of effort can never and I don't think will ever happen again. And again, when you have effort in games, you're going to be in games. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, like Stefan was saying, I, I, I think that most of the impact from this move, not all, but most, needs to be in terms of motivation in terms of playing a full 60 minutes which we've seen this team struggle with all year yeah and in terms of just kind of getting the most out of themselves because look the islanders are playing every other day from now until the all-star break it's going to be very hard if patrick wall wants to come in and and make you know big structural changes to the system like the practice time isn't really going to be there they would they would have to do it on the fly you know, we we saw the the lines this morning. I think we're expecting to be basically the same as they were in Chicago because, right. you know, Patrick Waugh is not going to come in and you know completely smash things to pieces 
in the middle of a season. It, it's right. just not really something you can do. This is about getting somebody who can can get the most out of what the Islanders have. And you look at the talent on this roster, and you know I don't think that this is a team that necessarily you know is going to go win the cup or anything like that. But like, is it a team that should be in the playoffs? Yes, absolutely. There's no, really no question about that. Through their inconsistencies, they were second in the Metro a month ago. And again, you're talking about a team that never played to its true potential a month ago. Again, they're two points out of a wild card spot. Games in hand play a part. But this group, this is why Lou made this move now. They, they right. want to make the playoffs. Patrick Waugh said it's playoff Still hockey from now on. Right. So I, again, I just think the motivation that he brings, the fire and the, the, that kind of style, just wakes this group. We talked about firing just for the sake of firing, which you never thought they were going to do anyway. But right. at some points, you just got to do it. And again, having a guy like Patrick come in, outside of just firing lane, which did shock the system a little bit, this guy is not going to tolerate anything. Oh, no. This is a huge shot of adrenaline, yep. not just to the team, the franchise, the fan base. Us. I mean, <laughs> us. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I couldn't wait to get here today to talk about this. But, no, it's huge. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, the it lives up to the hype. But, you know, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the dynamic of, you know, talking about him coming in midseason. They're keeping the same staff on. Makes sense. Obviously, they can kind of be his, uh, you know, on his shoulder, telling him about what they've seen throughout the season, what they know about these players. But maybe you can just touch on that dynamic about him coming in and not coming into his own guys. You know, maybe over the, over the summer, this is something he reassesses and brings in his own people. But him having to work with Johnny Mack, Doug Huda, who's obviously, you know, might be like John McClain. Everybody was calling for his name last year on the power play. Nobody said a word about Doug Huda this year. Well, you should, <laughs> probably, th- you should, you should probably thank Noah Dobson for – I mean, the power play isn't what it is if Noah Dobson doesn't take yeah, tremendous for sure, strides. For but sure. the but defense, Doug Huda's gotten off Scott clean here. Nobody said a word about Doug Huda. Yeah, and I think you made a great point, which I was going to bring up, is that it's a first impression for the players – and for the coach, Doug Hood is fighting for a job next year. Sure John McClain's fighting for yeah. a job. I mean, you look at the defense and how bad it's been. Yeah. You know, Doug, you got to look at Doug Hood, and he deserves blame. And I think we had talked last year about how Lane in his first year struggled, but I don't think that his assistant coach helped him enough. We had talked about that a lot. Yes. But I think, again, this yeah. year is John McClain took the strides again with help. And the defense right. obviously didn't help Huda's case, no. but Huda didn't get enough out of the defense and out of the penalty kill and things like that, where now it's about show up or shut up, really, for everyone, including the coaching staff. And I think he'll rely heavily on them in terms of analysis and the video coaches and everyone that's and Lou, of course. But for them, I think it's they got to step up their game as well. Even, even McLean, where offense has been great, but it's slowed down a little bit as of late and things like that. So I think for sure this is... It's great to have guys here. I think a brand new staff actually would have made it worse for him just because none of those guys would have any impact, no uh, any uh, information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely for these coaches. It's you got to show up and do your job to the best of your ability. You could be out in the summer. Yeah, um, and I, I do think part of the reason that, that maybe Doug Huda hasn't come out under a lot of scrutiny <laughs> is, is because Lane was running the penalty kill as an assistant coach. Um, I think a lot it was of more it, a jest, but no, I, I know, <laughs> I know, but I, I do think a lot of the system was probably the same and. So something that I will also add that probably would, would be something that they look at over the summer is I, I wonder whether they will add a third assistant yeah. behind the bench at some point. It, okay. it was always a little bit curious to me that, that they hadn't done that under Lane, and mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's something that, that could maybe benefit them. Yeah, and, and, and also when you think about it, it was kind of a weird situation too because John McClain wasn't handpicked by Lane either, if you remember. He was no, a fill-in for the, for the fellow. Ryan Wiseman. The, yeah. Right. He and was he wasn't supposed even the second in. either. There was like a, yeah, there was someone right? in between or something that I was, I was talking to somebody about that yeah. McClain was like, all right, a third option, whatever right. it was, and he gets hired, but yeah. Yeah, interesting dynamic. So I guess we'll see what happens over the summer, but that's an interesting point. Maybe he brings somebody in you know, throughout the course of the season to kind of help out. That's definitely a possibility. 
But, yeah, I think there's a lot of work cut, off, cut out for Patrick Waugh, but I do like what I'm hearing from you guys, what you saw this morning at the morning skate, and uh, hopefully he has them coming out firing. But can this guy get them into the playoffs? With everything we just talked about, can he turn this team around? You, seen, you, you expect them in the sense that they're a team good enough mm-hmm. to go to the playoffs, but can Patrick Waugh right the ship just over halfway through the season to get them into the dance and perhaps make some noise? On the surface, yeah, but again, I think it's it's the players just. Resp- I don't. I think they're going to respond to Wah, but again, it doesn't matter what Wah does if the same guys keep taking the same. Like it's on them, and I think right. firing Lane and all of them taking accountability, they know it's on them. Like you could bring any coach, you could bring a Hall of Fame coach in here, mm-hmm. um, you could bring Trot in here back, whatever. And if the group doesn't play the way they need to play, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what he will help with, obviously defensive structure, being a goalie, I think helps Sorokin. Is mm-hmm. going to help Sorokin sure. so much just because of the of the angle that he's used to playing the game. How many times this year have screens been in front? Whether it's an Islanders defender or another opponent, or skaters skating right past like Dobson skating him in Chicago. Like mm-hmm. some players might again, if you're a coach that doesn't understand that, goalie coaches tell players a lot. But Patrick Wall be like, hey, we got to stop flying by Sorokin when shots come. Like maybe that's a thing that doesn't get pointed out enough that Wall now has that intellectual ability because he played the position. Say, hey we got to stop doing that because that's limiting Sorokin. you got to get – the key is getting Sorokin back to me in that elite guy. I think that's important, and that will only help this team, obviously, when their defense gets better. But I think Wah being a goaltender, I think he's the only coach in the league that is a former goaltender. Um, and I think we don't have a lot of those. So I think it's important, especially with how Sorokin's played this year, to get a coach in here that understands what Sorokin's going through mentally and physically to help right that ship and get him back on track. Yeah, I, I, as far as will they make the playoffs, to me – what what happens between now and the all-star break is absolutely massive for answering that question um because they really they really don't have that much they've used up their margin for error um and you know a lot of the reason why they aren't further out of it kind of has to do with you know the rest of the east just hasn't really been that overwhelming no one has really pulled away from the pack even the rangers had a pretty big cushion and and that's now gone right um but it's hard to stay in the race when you're depending on other teams losing. <laughs> for sure. Um, like last year. That, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. only going to happen for so long. Um, you know, the, the picture doesn't look too bad right now. And, you sure. know, look, if they go 4-2 and two over their, you know, their last six going into the All-Star break, they'll, they'll be in pretty good shape. Like, they could go into the All-Star break in, in a playoff spot, and from there, yeah, of course you could make it. Sure. But, you know, if, if they can't come out firing if this is if it's going to take you know a week before right and and not that that wouldn't be understandable like sure of, of course right but the islanders don't really have that much uh that much margin for error left to play with no there's um, a little sorry go ahead no I, you got there's it. a little <laughs> pressure on patrick wah here to to find some lightning in a bottle right in a short span of time and i think you you give it a good good gauge here this week coming up before the all-star break you got some tough games thankfully they're at home that should help them out a little bit but obviously dallas coming in we're going to go to what's on tap soon but you got vegas coming in. i mean this isn't a this isn't an easy week by any stretch so so patrick wah is kind of right into the fire here and again, there's no moral victories anymore with this group. That being, like I said, they're going to lose games. But like tonight, perfect example. They come out flat tonight. That automatically tells me that, all right, if they get to the deadline, like lose going to have to move. It's a player problem. It's not the coach or it was a thing like that. Because tonight there's no excuse. They might lose tonight. But if effort for sure. any chance or slow start happens, that, it, that shows that what everything Wad just did this morning where the players seem to react – 
didn't stay with them. And I think that would be, I don't think it's going to happen, but that would tell me a lot about this group if they don't get ready, if they're not ready to go come puck drop. I want, go ahead. And just something I'll add about the deadline is it's not impossible for them to make a trade, obviously, but you look at where they are with the cap, you look at where they are in terms of LTIR, and that's going to be complicated in terms of salary. Uh, It's going to be, assuming that they think Pulak will come come back this season, and they're not kind of just using that extra three or so million that's on LTR right now as a cushion, they're going to have to pretty much match salary in any trade, and they don't really have guys who are making a lot of money who they would in theory want to send out um, or in theory, you know, be accepted on the other side. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, last year, Beauvillier was was an obvious person there. Um, Josh Bailey maybe was an obvious person there. There aren't really guys, you know, over the offseason, maybe you would have said Pajot, but I think you'd look now at, at what's happened when, you know, Barzal and Horvat had played on different lines, and I, I think there probably would be hesitation with moving a center. Um, so this is not – they're not going to be able to package a first-round pick and Simon Holmstrom for an all-star because it's not going to work under the cap. Sure, sure. That'll be another step, uh, another conversation for what might happen coming up to the deadline. But as far as Patrick Waugh goes, and we know it's a very passionate Islanders fan base, how long does the honeymoon last? It seems like most fans are excited about the move. They, they like the shot in the arm here. They like the Lane Lambert's out. How long does the honeymoon last? Uh, how, how long until things get rocky for, for Patrick Waugh if he doesn't turn things around fast? Well, yeah, I was going to say it's the win-loss record. I mean, yeah. he's brought in here to win games. Plain and simple. If yeah. you win, the fans will love you. If you lose, the fans will hate you. Or if you're, you just follow Bo Horvat's footsteps, and when you talk to Shannon or whatever, you just say the right things, and they, that catches fire. <laughs> right. Now, maybe, don't, maybe not ripping fan bases and things like that, um, but, like, they'll be in Montreal on Thursday. Yeah, um, awesome. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And if they go in there and win in Montreal at, at the Bell Center, like, again, fans just want to see wins, and they think that they're really happy right now, but I think a lot of them are – all right, we're happy, but we're not going to, hey, we're not going to have a cup parade just yet. we got to see this work. But, yeah, if they win tonight, tomorrow, people are going to say, back in a wild card spot, we're coming for <laughs> we it. we back, baby. And yeah. if they lose tonight, it's going to be right. like, all right, sell the team. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, the honeymoon will last for as long as it takes for the Islanders to lose a game. Um, <laughs> so maybe tonight. <laughs> yeah. might be, it might be over tonight. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, if they hours. could. Yeah, they could, 10 p.m. tonight. Right, they, tonight. they could play a, you know, a good game against Dallas and lose yeah. in overtime, and you probably would have some people that upset would be funny. and, and saying, that. how could you hire this guy? And, <laughs> you know, and all of that. Um, right. it's, it's, it really is. It, it's all going to come down to, you know, can, can they get back in the race? Can he, can he get results, and can he get them fast? And also what it's going to take is what he says after the games, too. Again, sure. after yes. all yeah. these losses – Again, Good Lane point. was not a guy that really threw players. He, I mean, as of late, he kind of had no choice. Like, he's, he's grasping right. at straws. I got mm. that expression right. right? Good job. Thank I'm you. It's a you, mental man. second. But, um, <laughs> but with Watt, let's say they lose time. He comes into, lo- into the media room and just rips them. Like, the fans are going to appreciate that a lot more than being like, well, you know, the structure, A-OK. Like, right. So I think it right. ultimately depends. Yeah, winning and losing for sure. But it's how he reacts to these losses with us, because again, we know that Lane was much more fiery and, than than he showed us. Mm. But if Watt comes out of the game tonight and goes, "We were terrible at X, Y, and Z. This is ridiculous," and flips out, fans will love him for that. Well, I love the point that you made earlier. If this team doesn't come out tonight, whether they win or lose, yeah. but if they don't come out with just a fire under their ass, then yeah, there's a big problem with the te- with the players in that locker room. Because I mean, they just weren't doing it for Lane. 
Patrick Waugh comes in. The, the players essentially contribute to Lane Lambert losing his job here, right? Yep. They got a fiery guy now behind the bench. They got to come out with rockets in their skates against Dallas. Again, win or lose, but just just show a better showing than what they showed in Chicago because th- that, that looked like a team to me that just dialed it in. And again, first impressions. Let's say the team comes out as a whole strong, but a couple of players are really dragging the team. I mean, Horvat said today that when he faced the old, uh, Avalanche team under Wah, that he goes, they're a tight-knit group. They all pull the rope together. And he goes, that's what he wants us doing. Everyone's got to pull up. Can't be one guy pulling harder. Can't be one guy pulling us down. We all have to pull together. And if there are guys that aren't doing that, like I wouldn't be shocked tonight if going into the third period, if some, if they're close game or whatever, that that bench gets shorted and certain players aren't playing. Because I think Wah wants to win immediately, obviously. Sure. But he's got to set a tone immediately that this won't be tolerated. I think with Lane, a lot of times where, sure, Engvall being benched, but there were mistakes made in games where they're back out there, shift later, and nothing happens. So I think for Waugh, accountability is going to be a huge thing right off the bat. He's, this is his, these are tests right now, and Waugh's going to be watching everything really closely tonight. If he sees someone taking a shift off, to him, that's first game under me, you're taking a shift off, you're not playing. Like That's what I think is going to happen. Anything to add there, Ethan? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned... Horvat saying, you know, togetherness, everyone needs to be pulling on the rope. I, I think every single player I talked to this morning used, used the word togetherness. Um, that that's kind of seems to be the crux of Patrick Waugh's message is we all need to be pulling on this rope. We all need to be doing this together. And, you know, le- like you kind of alluded to, the Islanders have, have had guys maybe taking shifts off or maybe not quite being held accountable by by the coaching staff and and i i do think that that's something that that is going to change right away and and tonight you know you're going to have guys that are going to be motivated because you only get one chance the first impression right and (laughs) um it it's if you're taking shifts off if you're not back checking if you're you know whatever under under the first game of a new coach that is going to reflect on you and why is like the Vin Diesel meme like we're family that's what it is that's <laughs> okay, what that's sure. what, no, like today it was all about how like he wants this to be a family like, teams that win the cups he talked about his cup winnings all that stuff is that like they were so close and we saw with the Islanders a lot for, for for this team in general they're a close team but on their back-to-back runs like they were so close and they are still close yeah and he has yet I think at times this year some members of the family weren't showing up and I think that Wah really wants them to be a family again. You know, I got the reference, but you know, I've never seen any of those movies. Oh, me neither. Oh, really? Yeah. I think we're the only two people. On I the just planet. on social media. I mean, like <laughs> cars, are, like cars Fast are furious. Ethan, you into that stuff? I think I've seen one of them. <laughs> okay. Maybe like, one's I, better than none. Yeah, Jake, I mean, what about I you, mean, pal? There, there's like ten. Uh, so <laughs> really, th- wow, three out of four. Power of social media. I saw the meme once, and you know. All right, well, listen, fellas, great stuff on Lane, great stuff on Patrick. I think it's time to take a break. We went 45 minutes in that, which is outstanding. So, folks, want to thank you all for tuning in live here at twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY, Twitter, Facebook. We're all over the place tonight, today, YouTube. Thanks for chiming in the chat. We're going to get the questions brewing later. But before we go to break, I'm going to tell you all a little bit about Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
If you're an Islander fan, there's nothing like a big win, a tasty meal, and great company. And Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more. Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. You can go to the game, or you can experience the game. And anything is possible with A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge. Book an NHL game day experience and watch the action from sweet level with a hockey legend, or play a round of golf with your favorite heroes from any sport. Thinking of going out of town for the big game? Done. Put your stress to rest and let A1 book travel for you. Need a place to eat before kickoff? That's done too. A1 locks down reservations at the most exclusive restaurants. And it's not just sports. A1 VIP Entertainment gets you from backstage at the hottest concerts to the bright lights of Broadway and even the red carpets of Hollywood. So treat yourself, impress your clients, or give a gift that will last a lifetime. A1 VIP Entertainment is your ticket to an unforgettable experience. At 516-787-0048, one call does it all. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, folks. It is time for What's on Tap, now brought to you by A1 VIP Entertainment. And it all starts tonight. The Dallas Stars come to town to UBS Arena for the debut of Patrick Waugh, tough Western Conference opponent. What do you guys see happening tonight at UBS? I think it's going to be a tough back-and-forth game. I think there's not going to be a lot of room. I really do think the Islanders are going to tighten up defensively. But you look at Jake Oninger. He's coming back from an injury. He was out for a while, and he's back for a couple of games here. But for every goal the Islanders face, it's about getting traffic in front and making them uneasy. And I think, again, those are little details that the Islanders haven't done enough of. So Dallas has a ton of talent. Uh, they're a hard, physical team to play against. And Ethan talked about the lack of physicality. you got to be physical tonight, or you got to outskate them. Either way, you got to bring your A game because this is a Dallas Stars team that's been really good this year. And again, Jake Oninger, when he's on his game, is pretty good. So you got to get to him really early. Yep. I, Dallas on the second end of a back to back should be a little bit of a help for the Islanders, but just look at, <laughs> just look at what they did last Well, right. And, and just look at what the Stars did to the Devils last night on uh, Ser- Sergey Breland's, I think, Ring of Honor yep. night. They basically, you know, took the air out of that crowd, beat the Devils. At, Five one six one something like that with Scott Wedgwood in um, goal by the way just point yeah. that out so extremely tough challenge for uh, for Patrick Waugh and, and the Islanders but I, I do expect that the energy should be high uh, you know l- like I said this team is going to be you know playing to to make a first impression on the new head coach and yeah, I I would expect at least a, an extremely competitive motivated effort from the Islanders. I can see an OT game again. Not like Chicago, though, where they're, you know, that, I mean, that should never have happened. But this, again, this is tough. If you lose an overtime to Dallas, like, that's, not that's a great point to, to miss out on In one. In a vacuum, but, it's fine. 
It's just yeah. that what's happened previous, right? But Dallas is it's not like it's not Chicago coming here or a bad team. Like this is a very right. like even if the Islanders are at their A game, this is gonna, would have been a tough game regardless. Even if it's a back to back, we know how the Islanders play out, like with those teams. So, well, look, I think this is gonna be a new dawn for the Islanders here. I think they're gonna come out like barn burners in the first period. Look, if they don't, I'm gonna be thoroughly disappointed. But I think they're gonna come out hard. And guys, you can blame me for jinxing them if you want. I think the Islanders take this game tonight. Just just eight, off eight the nothing. Intro- yeah, sure. Eight nothing. Why not? I'll take one nothing. That's fine. Let, let's get a Sorokin shutout. Let's see that happen again. No, you said let's the see words. them clamp the defense down. No, listen. Any kind of win, but I think they're going to come out on top tonight. And you guys can all blame me, you know, after uh, eleven p.m. if they end up uh, losing the game. But I think that's the way it's going to go. I feel good about tonight. And I think the important part is getting that first goal is critical in every game. But that will be the ultimate test too. If the Islanders get a lead tonight, not blowing it. Hold on but, to that. But, yeah. but again, the way that. <laughs> The way that Patrick Waugh coaches them with the lead, I think it's going to say a lot. Because, again, we've seen it over time where line changes or bet, like we've seen mismanagement of lines, especially when they've had leads. That, sure. Look back to that mm-hmm. Detroit game when they were up going to the third and they separated the lines and they lose that right. game. I mean, it's all about gut right. for sure. And you trust your head yes. coach. But it'll be very curious to see what happens if the Islanders do take a lead into the third and how Waugh controls that bench and how the players ultimately respond to that. No doubt about it. Moving on to Tuesday Las Vegas comes to town. This is a little chance for redemption for the New York Islanders. They, they lost when they went out there to Vegas. What do you see happening there? Another tough test. Another Obviously, the Stanley Cup winner from last season. What's happening there? Yeah, I think, again, just played Vegas, right? And I think yeah. the Islanders should have won that game. If you watch back and the chances they had early, the Kyle Palmieri breakaway, Engvall a couple of chances, Nelson. I mean, they could have put that game away. And, again, Logan Thompson is a guy, again, we'll see who starts. But... Talking to the media there, Logan Thompson's been a guy that they said that when he allows one goal, it usually falls apart on him this year. It's been a little different. And if the Islanders had gotten a couple of goals early in that game, they said that he probably would have fallen apart as well. So getting the first goal is critical. But again, this is a Vegas team that the Islanders have notoriously played well against. They have. Um, so welcome into their building again. Depends what happens tonight, building on that tonight. But yeah, you're welcoming the Stanley Cup champs here. you got to be on your A game every year. They're so talented. But I think, again, the Islanders could get to Logan Thompson early, which they didn't do. Right. That'll go along and also not taking penalties. And the, the turnovers that they had in that game and the failures in front killed them. Absolutely killed them. So just playing your A game and they should be fine. Ethan Sears. Yeah, I mean, I remember in Vegas thinking that they lost that game 5-2. And I remember thinking that that was probably maybe not their best played game of the trip, mm-hmm. but it, it was pretty yeah. close. I, I remember thinking they, they played really well there, save for, you know, probably four minutes at the end of the second period when, when they gave up a little flurry of goals. So I, I do think that, that that's a game they can win. I, I think that, you know, between tonight and and Vegas, if you can get three points from those two games, you are coming away feeling really good about where this team is at, feeling really good about Patrick Waugh. And, and going on the road with, with some momentum to Montreal. Yeah, I think that's when people start calling him St. Patrick around these parts. But <laughs> speaking of Montreal, let's talk about third. I mean, what a storyline here, right? Patrick Watt comes back to the NHL, goes up to Montreal, three games into his tenure here with the New York Islanders. That's going to be a fun one to watch, too. Obviously, Montreal, one of the struggling teams in the league here, but that's always a tough building to play in. There's going to be the whole storylines of Patrick being there. What do you see there? Yeah, you just said it. It's a very tough place to play, regardless of how bad right. the Montreal Canadiens have been. And not it's redemption for Wah, but like he obviously wants to win every game. That one's going to feel extra sweet in your hope that the sure. Islanders also feel that way. Again, talking to Barzal, I said, you know, when they go and play the Canucks. And going back right. to the war veteran, he right. goes, it's always special. We always want to help them get the win against their former teams. Right. And the way, obviously, it ended in Montreal for Wah, 
um, getting in headbutt, not headbutting, but like getting into fights. The with. ending always seems to be tough for Patrick Waugh. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think, again, that's always going to be something that the Canadian yeah. fans remember. And yeah. a lot of the fans didn't want him to leave when they traded him, obviously. Course, yeah. a, but the way that thing's ended, going back there and getting a win, probably will feel really good for Waugh. But again, this is a, that's a team where you look at like the Chicago game where you cannot lose right. that game, especially right. with how everything's gone. Re- yes. Forget what happens yeah. against Dallas and no Vegas. No more stinkers against lesser teams. Yeah, You have to go in there and dominate. I think, again, that Coyotes win that the Islanders had where they really exploded in the third period. They went against a... Not a bad team. They've been solid, but against a maybe inexperienced, younger team that sure. had the struggles and showed them what a veteran team looks like when they're playing their A game. And if they do exactly what they did against Arizona, against Montreal, they'll win that one. But again, you can't take any shifts off against any team in this league. We've seen it too many times. Burn them. No doubt. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I expect the reception for Patrick Waugh in Montreal to, to be pretty good. I, yeah. I was talking to some of their media that, that made the trip down this morning, and, and they were saying that things have maybe kind of been patched over there since uh since he left and they you know since they've retired his number in uh, i think 2009 or 10 you know he's he's gotten good receptions when he's come back but you know like like stefan said it's it's really it's like the blackhawks game you you can't win and you know one of the issues that this team had under lane lambert was that it would play down to opposition at you know that more last year than this year um but you go through the games and, and there were a lot of them against teams that should have been nothing's an easy two points, but a quote unquote easy sure. two points, right? Uh, where they they couldn't do it, and you know, including last year in Montreal, they lost up there in overtime. Yep. This year in Montreal, second end of back to back, and they've had pretty much no gas for the first forty minutes, right? Right. Um, and that Montreal game, if I remember, was at the end of the se- season last year, right? That was before, wasn't that right before they played the Caps in that final week? Oh no, the last game of the season familiar. was Montreal. They had to win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the last. No, game I mean the, ga- the game in Montreal. Oh, gotcha. Um, but it, in, in any case, <laughs> come on, um, I'm sorry. You know, it, t- t- tough building to play in and all that, but um, really, just not a team that you can afford to drop two points to. Um, it's it's. Yeah, it, it's a game you have to have. No, like Patrick Waugh said, playoff hockey from here on out, so you can't take a night off even against a team like Montreal after all the points they've given up so far. And Saturday, the test gets tougher again. Florida Panthers come into town. They're obviously doing great over there in the Atlanta division. Look like a at least a, uh, a heavy favorite to go deep in the playoffs this year. What do you see from that game? Well, you look back to the way the Islanders played in Florida without Matthew Barzal. A little Julian Godier mm. coming out party, going from the third right, line to yeah. the top line, absolutely sniping there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, it's the Islanders know how to play these teams. And they've won, again, again right. beating the Florida the way they did, holding a lead. Uh, they allow a goal yeah. early in the third, and you're thinking, here we go. Mm-hmm. And they hold on. And that was without Barzal. And I think, right. again, that was a really good game by them. Still, however hot Florida's gotten or things like that, like it's still that team. So I think the Islanders, again, especially with what happens this week, but Saturday game against a team that you've played well, that you know you could beat this year, again, capping off what is, would be Waz's first week on the job, you got to go out there and you got to give it your all and, and try to get a win there. And um, again, I think Florida's beatable. And I think every team's beatable, obviously, but they know what they have to do against Florida. They saw last year, they got watching from home, right? Watching Florida and what they did so well in the playoffs that. They have a pretty good idea of what they need to do and just executing. Ethan. Absolutely. I mean, you you look at that win in Florida and, and to me that serves as, you know, sort of proof that the Islanders they they really should be able to to skate with and, and play with any team in the yeah. league and, and sure. that you know, like I've said, that doesn't mean that they're there doesn't mean they're gonna win them all. It doesn't mean they should be expecting to win the cup, but they're they're really especially at home 
should not be any games that you know you look at and and write off um especially given where they are in the standings especially given the sort of you know energy that, that patrick Waugh should be bringing to this group so you know i don't think they're going to go 4-0 this week that's <laughs> probably far-fetched um, right but is that a game they can win yeah it is and they they really they should expect to win all these games especially and, at home and we've talked about it a lot how many games they were against really good teams where they were there for 50 minutes and no, just didn't close it so they proved early in the year that they, they can, can hang, hang with, with any team yes. again it's just about closing. getting those leads and closing the door and again now at this point again you want to win games but you kind of go get back to the whole we need just points with this division again you want to win for sure but holding on just to get to overtime at times and not falling apart like that devil's game where they allow the tying goal late and then they allow the go-ahead goal late or nashville like those games cannot happen anymore right so what's a successful week for this team and what's your expectation for this week i would say successful would be like 2-0 and 2 in my mind okay would, to me Some would more be, overtime losses. well just that means you got there you sure. didn't lose yeah, any yeah, in regulation yeah. again you need the points yeah. i would say that would be okay but successful is getting three out of four um, okay. That's to me that that would be a huge for this group. Again, going four and zero would be incredible. Sure. Losing all four would be horrific. Um, but I think <laughs> I, I think you look at this roster. They could go four and zero this this week. But I think I think Anything two two zero oh, and two three zero oh, and one. Just point I, not losing in regulation to me would be a win. To just get they points in four straight games. They need points. Sure, Ethan. I I think two one and one would yeah. probably be about the floor of what okay. I would consider a successful week. And sure. if if you can. If you can win three, that's that's a huge success. But it starts um, tonight. Ab- absolutely, <laughs> you know, would would do do a lot for this team. Would do a lot for the fan base. Would would prove that that this is on the right track. Well, we shall see. Starting tonight, that'll do it for the games. But you know what else is on tap? A one VIP entertainment featured events. Saturday, January twenty seventh, Miami Heat versus the New York Knicks at MSG. Monday, January 29th, Madonna. At MSG, talking about living legends here. Tuesday, January 30th, Utah Jazz versus the Knicks at MSG. Call 516-787-0048 and mention Hockey Night New York for 10% off of these featured events. One call does it all. And with that, fellas, let's go to the hero of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the hero of the week. Brought to you by none other than the Blue Line Deli and Bagels half Price Hero, which is The Godfather, featuring Cappy Ham, Genoa Salami, Pepperoni, Provolone, Lettuce and Tomato, Oil and Vinegar on a Hero. And uh, also a little shout-out to the new Butchie Burgers here at Blue Line Deli and Bagels. We had them before the show, and they are outstanding. Come on down and check them out. So with that out of the way, let's talk about some heroes here. I think I'm going to let Ethan go, and then I'm going to go. Ethan, do you have a hero? I, it was a rough week, so if you don't have anybody, we understand. But maybe you think out of the box here. What do you got? Um, I will go with Patrick Waugh. Okay. Um, Good just, stuff. I, uh, in, in part because I, I don't really think there's <laughs> anyone else who could could be Fair. much of a candidate. Fair. But, um, but, you know, guy who has, has come in and, and given new life uh, to, to the season, to the team, um, even if it proves temporary, um, you know, I, I think you you probably have to give it to him. I, I don't know if there's been kind of this much um, 
energy or, or buzz around the Islanders in, in some time. So I'll say Patrick Waugh. I like f- it. To be fair to him, just one point. Sure. The move was made Saturday, so it works for the hero of this entire week. That it wasn't, Absolutely. It wasn't the new week. The move was done at like 5.30 yesterday. So it, good it, job, it works. Ethan. It works. It works. He got it at the last yeah. minute. I love it. <laughs> at deadline. All right, so I'm going to go now, and I'm going to pick the man that hired Patrick Waugh, and that is Lou Lamarillo. Now, if anybody knows how to make a splash in the hockey world, it is Lou Lamarillo, whether it's trades, whether it's firings right before the playoffs start. I mean, this guy has done it all over his long tenure here as a general manager in the NHL. And and look, I mean, we talked about it earlier. This is a team that needed a jolt, and my God, did he give the team a jolt and basically everybody in the hockey world by plucking Patrick Waugh out of the queue, saying, hey, welcome back. You're back in the NHL. And look, everybody's fired up about it. We'll see what happens. It could end up being a shit show. I'm going to use some foul language here. But it could end up being a great time. It could be, he could end up turning the season around. So Lou Lamarillo, he's, he, he makes a huge move here. Patrick Waugh, I am super excited to see where this goes. All right, so you pick Patrick Waugh. You pick Lou, that guy that got him here. Should I pick the cab driver that brought him here? Is Why that, not? No, so I'm, I'm <laughs> The pilot in the plane. Yeah, he actually drove. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, from Montreal. Wow. He's at, uh, by the way, tonight's also his first game ever at UBS because when he faced the honors, it was Barclays. Um, but uh, besides that, I always a, a little silly with my Heroes of the Week. So please. we're going to pick the Hero of the Week is that game against Minnesota for me. <laughs> um, just because. So the Wild, I guess. The Wild. because okay. Yeah, the Wild are. Because um, you look at the Nashville games. Yeah. Ethan, stop shaking your head. I see it out of corner of my eye. Um, <laughs> you look at the Nashville game. Maybe you could have said that was it. Just they played their best game and still lose. But when they didn't come out with any effort at all. That game right there said it, there's no choice but to make a change. For me, I picked Beginning that as the hero the because yeah. it had to happen. Like mm-hmm. The move had to be made at some point, but that game really showed that Lane had lost the room, that changes were needed immediately after this trip, where maybe if they beat Minnesota and they maybe beat Chicago and lose to Winnipeg, Lane still's got a, still has a job. And I think this change was going to be needed at some point down the road because we keep saying the losing streak earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. He's on the hot seat, then he's off. They come back from a road trip, he's on it, and then he's off. I think right now the fact they lost that game – Force the change, which brings Wise, your hero, which brings Lewis, your hero. So I tie it all so to that So you're taking game. all the credit here. No, yeah, you know. You know. <laughs> Typical Stefan. Yeah, I'm sorry. That might be the most obscure hero of the week well, we've we, ever had I in the show, the but I like points. that you're thinking outside of the box. I, I picked Sabado last year after a tough road trip. That's true. So yes, not, you did pick. I'm the, not crazy. With, you literally yeah. picked a day of the week. In Spanish. <laughs> in Spanish, <laughs> yes. Good stuff. So that'll do it for the hero of the week. Remember, stop on in right here to the Blue Line Deli Huntington location for half off the Godfather this week. Great stuff there. And we're going to break before we go into questions, Bruin. But before we do, I'm going to tell you about our friends. <laughs> At Isles Fix, Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. So once again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in live here from Blue Line Deli and Bagels at Twitch, at Twitter, all over the place. Really appreciate it. Twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we're going to get to questions and questions brewing. We'll be right back. Attention all artists, storytellers, and creators of all kinds. It's time to make your content stand out above the rest. And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video. Or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook. Or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, 
your creative incubator awaits. Go to floridmedia.com for more information and email contact at floridmedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. It's time for Questions Brew. So go ahead, ask us a question. That's right, folks. It is time for Questions Brew. And I want to formally welcome to the program Jake Radonis here. Jake the Snake filling in for Edzo a little under the weather today. Buddy, you're doing a great job. How are we doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm honestly fired up about this hire. <laughs> Love this. Love. Yeah, how, yeah, what do you think, man? You what know, are you feeling uh, here? I think change needed to be made, and uh, Lou went and did it. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly what to expect yet, but... None I'm, of us do. I'm very excited, <laughs> to say the least. All right, Jake. Well, how's the chat looking? Let's get some questions fired up here. The chat is very live today. Love that. So, first up from Trottier19. Uh, many fans, including yours truly, said with no big changes over the summer, it would be the same results or worse with the same team. Sure enough. Why did Stefan and some others say the things would change? Stefan. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think we looked at the roster and having Horvat, obviously long-term, Barzal back healthy, Engvall and what that second line did, the defense, again, Sorok another year of him. I don't think anyone expected their defense to be as bad. It should have been better. And we saw at times, they were second in the Metro, by the way, at one point. So they were a little better. Not long ago. Um, but yeah, so why did we say that? Because the <laughs> roster showed us that it really should have been better than it was. And when we asked... Lou about the firing of Lane. Like, why didn't it work with Lane? He didn't know. So I'm like Lou, okay? I don't know why it didn't work. Um, that being said, though, I, I think I still look at this roster and then they could be second in the Metro. And I think that would be better. And even if they don't make changes, like if the deadline, if they don't bring anyone in, I, I'm still sticking with that. They should be a better team than they've shown. And the players in the room even said, like, we should be better. So Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Stick it up for yourself, Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> no one else <laughs> will. Jake, what do you got? All right. Next up from Ben Bicklebaum. Uh, Gut feeling, fourth line, assuming healthy, remains intact come, in, come into the season? Well, remaining healthy, I mean, they're not. So True. I don't know when we'll see Sezegis back. True. He's week to week right now. He is on IR. McLean's in there. I thought he had a really good first NHL game. Again, he didn't stand out, which is usually a good thing with guys like that. But, yeah, it ultimately depends what Clutterbeck and Martin show Patrick Watt in the, the last next couple of games because I wouldn't be shocked if Martin's healthy scratch at some point. That being said, I think... Was well, going to give all these guys a chance to keep stay in the lineup. The guys that are in the lineup right now, I don't think he's going to make any changes if they win tonight. Like, it's going to be about the results. If the honors right. are winning and maybe certain players aren't pulling the weight, but the team overall is winning, I feel like he's not going to make a move. That being said, when, immediately when they lose, depending on how they lose, like if Martin makes a turnover like he did a couple of games ago, or Clutterbuck, who knows how quick. He has no allegiance. Raw has no allegiance to any right. of these guys. They don't. He, right. he doesn't owe them anything. Um, so that's why I think we could see changes, but... Again, Zeke is hurt, so I don't know what will happen. Ethan, any thoughts there? Gun to my head, <laughs> probably not. I think it could go either way. It wouldn't wouldn't it all surprise me if it, if it was still together? But um, yeah, but Patrick Wap talked about analytics this morning. If if you look at at least some of what's publicly available, the the mm-hmm. analytics for Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck aren't great. Mm-hmm. I think probably. If if everybody is healthy, the you will I, I would guess that Hudson Fashing will end the season on that line. But okay, it, it could go either way. I think that there is some some justification in saying that you know these guys have been around for a long time mm. and, and you trust them in a big game, right? And you trust them in the playoffs and so on. But um, that's where maybe I think 
having a guy who is from the outside of the organization, that, that's a place where I think maybe you could see an impact. Yeah, I think it's a good point from Stefan saying that he has no loyalties here, right? He's going to play who he feels is going to be the best. And look, he may end up feeling that Martin and Clutterbuck should be out there at certain points, and it probably will happen. I mean, I even remember... You know, when Barry Trotz was still at the helm. And I and I specifically remember fans giving Barry Trotz hell for putting those guys out there in certain spots and late in games, stuff like that. So don't be surprised if it happens again. For whatever reason, these coaches feel that there are spots that they belong out there. Maybe you can make an argument that Lane thought they belonged out there a little too much lately. But, you know, these things happen. The coaches, they go with their vibes. We talked about that their instincts here, who's going well, who's not. And you, you might still see them out there. But, yeah, I mean, maybe because he has no loyalty to any of these guys, you know, maybe he uh, first gives them a chance to fail, and if they do, he brings out somebody fresh. Jake. Next up from uh, Drake and Ian. Uh, Dallas, Vegas, and Florida are all pretty good teams. If we don't come out with a win right away, at what point do heads start to turn about why? I guess that goes to my question before, right, with the grace period. Just rewind on the uh, live show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, no. just, just go back a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, now I'll answer the question. I, I think you got to give him a little time here. I mean, especially coming in on the fly, uh, he basically just got to know his players this morning, and he's still getting to know these players. And it's going to take a little bit of time for him to just kind of establish his relationships with them, and he's going to find out who's who's doing what and you know where he wants people in the lineup. And he might make some changes strategically. I mean, you'd, you'd hope he does because of obviously the things that have failed out there. But, look, I think he deserves a little bit of time. Now, now fans, it's up to you when you want to turn on Patrick Waugh. Uh, I'm sure that'll that'll come fairly quickly for some. But I think, look, there's, there's the urgency for him to turn around quick because this team obviously wants to make the playoffs. Lou wants to make the playoffs. The owners want to make the playoffs. The onus here is for Patrick Waugh to get them across yep. that finish line. So there's a lot of pressure to do that. And, he look, he's got to try to find some magic here and just figure it out. But, uh, look, I, I think if I'm being rational, <laughs> I think, oh, don't do that. Look, I'm trying here. I know where we are, but you got to give him a little bit of time. Look, I'm, I'm pulling for him. I was pulling for Lane too, but I'm pulling for Patrick Watt to turn this around in a short, short span of time. We'll see if he does. And I think you got to give Patrick at least until next season, right? So that he has a training camp, maybe brings in his own staff, like we talked about, but at least as far as this season goes, hopefully we've seen it time and time again, a new coach comes in, and whether it's his motivational prowess or whether it's the team just waking up because there was a coach firing, hopefully we see that result coming, whether it's one thing or the other. Yeah, I think the Islanders hope not the exact same situation as Rick Tockett in Vancouver taking over for Boudreaux because they didn't ultimately make the playoffs and they did fail. Right. But this stretch now is the hope is the Islanders make the playoffs, but this is a time for Watt to evaluate. Right. That way, like you said, this summer, whatever it's coaching personnel that, mm-hmm. hey, this is the system that I think we should play given what I've seen. These are the players I think are the best. These are the players that are available in France that I think will help us. And these are the coaches I think that can get us to be the best we can. So I think this is really important that he's here now rather than just starting a season. Because, again, if you're coming in, you know, you fire a coach late in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go into training camp. You had no say in anything that happened, contracts, free agency. Right. And I think while being here now to have this time is critical. Right on. Ethan, anything? Yeah, to, to me, if, if this goes south, I to, to me, it would not necessarily r- come back on Patrick Waugh so much as come back on Lou. Yep. Um, I think at that point, you have to look at the roster. Um, you have to look at who built the roster. Um, and, you know, you would have to say, okay, uh, you know, Barry Trotz was fired after a season where a lot of things that the Islanders didn't control went against them. Uh, that was a controversial move at the time, and, and that would be, you know, two hires since then that 
uh, that didn't work out. So I don't know that that necessarily would be, um, you know, that, that, well, I guess it would come back on Patrick Waugh in, in the literal sense, but, mm. you know, I don't know that that would be pinned on him so much as it would be, be pinned on, on Lou. This is Fair. the roster that he has, Wa has right now. Right. So he either could get the most out of this roster or the roster needs more. And again, he has no say in that as of right now. We'll see what happens. Fair points. Jake, what do you got? I just want to give a quick shout out to Ed back at home. He actually said that I'm his hero of the week. Is that right? That is Ed's right. Ed's so watching so, from uh, home? Thank you, Ed. I love I, it. I, Good I appreciate stuff. that. Uh, very nice. Next up from T. Boyle, who's actually here with us. Hey, hey uh, what's up, Tommy? Want to just chop it out, bud? <laughs> do, uh, do you think Wah will hold players accountable and uh, bend players that don't play well? A thousand percent. And I think that's a large part of why he's being brought in. Again, the passion, the fire, sure. But again, they have no room for error. And that's why this, this co- if that was not the case, Lane would still be coaching. Well, let me throw an example out for you guys, right? Anders Lee was struggling earlier on yep. in the year, and there were fans calling for Anders Lee to be benched because he wasn't performing. Is Patrick Waugh benching him in that scenario, or is he still looking at it like this is the captain, he's a high-paid player on this team, is he a guy he's going to put on the bench for a game? I think it depends. Yeah, I think it certainly impacts who it is. Mm-hmm. That being said, benching for a shift is still accountability, whether it's a game. Okay. So okay. I think he'll start with that. Only we're going to see tomorrow. A little more Bar- micro than Mac. If Barzal has sure. five turnovers tonight, that Barzal's not playing. Like, I don't think there'll be ever a situation that Barzal is not playing, but, right. hey, you're going to sit the first shift of the second period, or, hey, you're going to sit the sur- first shift, or you make a mistake, hey, you're taking the next shift off. Okay. I think we'll see that before we see any drastic, like, hey, by the way, you're going to go with Bridgeport for five weeks. Right? <laughs> sure. Ethan? Uh, as a one-word answer, yes. Uh, to, to, okay. go, to go to your example with, with Anders, I, I mean, you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be you know making someone like like him a, a healthy scratch but you know in that sort of scenario would you maybe see him drop to the fourth line for a game yep okay yeah maybe. yeah okay um, All right. you know we'll we'll cross those bridges when when we get to them but i think that you probably are going to see a different style of accountability than uh than lane maybe uh had or, or did not have. Well, I think that is uh, music to the fan base's ears. We will see if that is the, ca- the case. Jake. Next up from CGS. Do you think Wah got hired because Jacques Lemaire was unavailable? Or was Wah <laughs> a first choice for Lou? Per That's Lou, hilarious. Per Lou, and again, take this with a grain of salt, that this is the only person he wanted. He made that clear. Again, you kind of want to think you had options here. Um, but it sounds Lou to me is going to tell you whatever course, Lou wants to tell. I'm not calling him a liar here, but like, would any of us be surprised if he was on the phone with a couple other guys? No, for sure. Okay. I'm just telling you what Lou said. That's right. that's all I could tell you. Right. But, Face value, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think again, that their meeting, whatever it was, and that Wa said he loved talking to Lou, hearing about just talking to Lou, and Lou said reverse, same thing. Like the passion, the fire came through, and that and that sold Lou. So. Again, whether he was the first, second, fifth option, mm-hmm. they're both comfortable with what decision was made. Lou is very happy to have him here. Wa is very happy that he got the opportunity. And again, first practice, the fire that he showed and the way that team, you could see the team respond immediately to it. I mean, it wasn't like people were dragging and he had to like be like, hey, pick it up. Like mm-hmm. They were picking up. There were things they were doing wrong that he fixed quickly, but they were receptive to everything. So to me, the message already got through Good. it to that sense. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's a much better, a much different thing when the puck drops. Ethan. Yeah, um, I, I think Patrick Waugh was the only choice here. I, I do think that, that Jacques Lemaire, probably on, on both <laughs> sides of this equation, probably probably helped. Um, but just, just for an idea of, of how big a surprise this is or how, 
how big a surprise it came to to people who know both of them. Two two people I talked to this morning, um, Larry Robinson and, and Claude Lemieux, two guys who played with Patrick Waugh, right? Who have uh, you know Lemieux played for Lou Lamarillo, uh, represents as an agent a couple people on the team. Uh, Larry Robinson obviously coached for Lou Lamarillo. Neither of them had any idea this was happening, um, I- and. Uh, I, and I'll throw in a plug as well. I don't know if it's up yet, but at some point today, you can you can read that story on nypost.com. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that it was necessarily a surprise to people, you know, in the game that uh, that a change was made. But um, you know, a credit to Lou for the sort of secrecy here that you know people who are are close to him, close to Patrick Waugh, close to players on the team had no idea this was happening and it's kind of crazy because like they are so different right <laughs> like they right. are like you take right. the aggressive talking so much fighting coach mm-hmm. with the gm that is you have to do this this and this mm-hmm. every day and that's there's half there's a routine with how professional you have to be mm-hmm. so i'm very curious to see how it all happens especially when he, he's gonna lose his cool it could happen in oh it's three hours happen. four hours I, I can't wait um i'm just i just want to <laughs> see how how it goes it's yeah. gonna be interesting and and to your point ethan i mean nobody knew this was a bomb that dropped yesterday everybody was just shocked i mean the reactions on on twitter just from anybody inside outside the game was like holy crap where did this come from so once again lou finds a way to work in the shadows nobody knows it's coming until it happens pretty exciting stuff jake what you got from uh joey pickles did what's lou- up joey <laughs> <laughs> Did Lou personally address the team before the announcement yesterday or before Skate This AM? If so, do we know the tone of the conversation? Would you guys have any insight um, on that? No insight on if he approached the team. That being said, a lot of them were shocked. Um, okay. I had spoken to Anders Lee, and I said, you know, what are your reaction? He goes, yeah, I was stunned. Um, now, I don't know if there was talks like, hey, we're going to make a change, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like the, te- the players must have known in the back of their mind, like, hey, we just got back from an, a winless road trip. Effort was an issue. We left the bench in Nashville. I know that was blown out of proportion, but still not coming back out to finish that game. Right. Yeah, the loss to Chicago. They had to know in the back of their mind, like, Lane's probably in trouble here. Yeah. Um, that being said, it sounded like no one expected Wada come in, which is probably a good thing because it yeah, couldn't. Yeah, going to do what he wants. No, but I'm saying yeah. the players couldn't mentally prepare for okay. the kind of, again, this is a wake-up call this morning for a lot of these guys. Dobson, like, this is a wake-up call we needed. Mm-hmm. I, not to say that it wouldn't have been if they had known and had you know, a lot more time, like if they had found out on Monday. Hey, by the way, we're gonna finish this trip with Lane. Lane, you're out. By the way, peace. Um, right. <laughs> and that was coming in on Saturday, and we'll yeah. coach you on Sunday. Like they caught this is raw emotions that we saw this morning and raw okay. reactions that I think mm-hmm. is a more of a shock because you you walk in or yesterday get off the plane. It's like, hey, by the way, Patrick Wadnow is your new coach. No time to really think about anything. And then they get to the ring today that everyone's got to be ready to go and fired up. So. Yeah, I don't think any of the players knew that this was happening, and I think it's going to work out to their benefit, not knowing. Still on your end, Ethan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I I asked Anders, you know, did did Lou say anything to you as as the captain or, or get your input or anything like that? And um, expected the answer to be no, and, and Anders was kind of like, no, of course not. Um, that's not how Lou works. Right. Um, you know, I don't – like I said, I don't know that it was necessarily a shock that, that they made a change. I think you could kind of sense that, that it was coming, even if it always is a, a shock or a jolt when it actually happens. Uh, if, if you're a player, um, but in terms of who they hired, um, yeah, I, I, I think the players were just as surprised as everybody else. Okay, interesting. Jake, what do you got? Next up from NZAB09, do you think this will get the fans off lose back for a bit? 
I feel like he put together a decent team. They have playoff talent, but the coach was holding them back, or at least not focusing on their strengths. I think it's going to simply come down to the results. If if they rattle off a nice little streak here, go on some winning streak or point point scoring streak here on the, on the standing side, then I think, yeah, things cool off. It's all about whether they're winning and losing. And, and you hear the loudest screams when they go on these skids. And, you know, maybe there's some fans that are just, you know, across the board upset with Lou Lamarillo that goes back a couple of years since, you know, the, the first Barry Trotz year where they, they missed the playoffs. But, um, look, it's, it's going to come down to whether they win or lose games, and, and we'll see. I, I don't get the really. I don't. He did everything that you wanted GM to do this year, but everyone got down. They get Riley. They get Bortuzzo. He he made the decisions that he had to make to help this team right. stay afloat. And again, this team should be better than they are. With take away the blown leads, I mean, the roster was good enough for fifty-five minutes, fifty minutes to to win all those games. And mm-hmm. but it's lose fault at the final. The <laughs> roster in the final yeah. five minutes, same roster. And and not to say that they haven't been struggling getting guys like Mayfield and Pellick back, because obviously they have. Yeah. But they had Mayfield, Pellick, and Pollock all out at the same time. And Aho. And, and Aho, <laughs> yes. And when you have four of your relative top six defensemen out at the same time, the expectations probably go down a bit. And they did, I said this, you know, previously, they did more than just tread water at that point. So, like, you know, you got to give Lou at least some credit for making some moves to pad the team, bringing in Bortuzzo, bringing in Riley. Riley looks like maybe more of a long-term solution here. I mean, you got to give credit where it's due, even if it's if it's more minor minor you know moves like that. Now, you want to look at big picture. He held on to Lane too long, or whatever the case may be. Sure, I hear that argument, but I think maybe this at least distracts fans from Lou for a little while because now the focus is purely going to be on Patrick Watt to see how he does. Yeah, I I think the scrutiny on on Lou will will slow down for as as long as they're winning games. Um, you know, like I said, if if this goes south then I think it'll reflect back on Lou more than it reflects back on Patrick Waugh. So, um, you know, if they can put together a run, get in the playoffs, I, I think everyone will be pretty happy with Lou. And if they can't... Until they bow out in the first round. Not. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Jake, got something more? So we actually got a first-time chat here. Hey, what's up? It's Nick JL 90 and he asked, can we find a taker for Lee at half-retained in the offseason? What? <laughs> I highly, mm, highly doubt it. I don't think that's. Well, I don't think you can. <laughs> from multiple standpoints. Number two, again, we've talked about. He's, is he the long-term answer on that top line? No. Is he right. know? Does he know how to get out of the way and let Horvat and Barzal cook? Yes. And that's an issue with Holmstrom on that line and with Wallstrom on that line is they really never understood how to play with those guys. Lee is smart enough, understanding what his strengths are and what he has to do. And again, analytics is something that Ethan pointed out. That's big with Patrick Waugh. You look at that top line with Lee on that line. They've been a lot better analytically. They've scoring sh- shots, all that, th- all that stuff. So I don't really get the Lee, the the Lee hate right now. Again, contract for sure. Is he playing production wise like a seven million dollar a year guy? No, but he's doing enough to help that line be a legitimate number one line in this league. And I think results are matter. But I don't think e- getting Lee, getting rid of Lee, I don't think it's going to happen early in the year. Maybe you're talking buyout because he was doing nothing to help the team really. But, I mean, even the last week or so in the honors of losing, you point to one point in the eyes that's been giving his all every shift. You, you point to the captain. You watch him shift in and shift out. Like, this guy is hauling you-know-what to make a difference out there. They're not winning, but he's leading by example out there. So I, I would stop the Lee, you know, slander. Yeah, and look, I think we all knew, just like any yep. player who comes up to that those UFA years when they get signed to these long-term deals, they're eventually going to you know, start to, you know, wear out their welcome, so to speak, in the sense that the numbers are going to go down. They're not going to produce 
to the contract they were signed for. But that's how you retain players in the NHL. That's just how that works. You sign them to a long-term deal for a lot of term, for a lot of money, and eventually they're not living up to that money. And and now Anders Lee has kind of hit a turning point in this in this contract where he's not going to be a 30-40 goal scorer in this league anymore. And they shouldn't need him to be. You look sure. at this roster. They, they, again, it, things changed. At that time, they needed it. They didn't have the offense. Mm-hmm. Like we said with Brock Nelson this uh, last year is that Brock Nelson's carried the offense for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. shouldn't have to do that anymore. Right. Barzal and Horvat should be scoring. Dobson's scoring. You have some depth players. Holmstrom, at one point this year, was on pace for 20-plus goals. Um, <laughs> at one point. So, again, like, sure, do they want Andersley scoring 40 goals? Yeah, but yeah. if he scores 15 to 20 goals and is helping that top line – Matt Barzal be over a point per game. Horvat be over a point per game. He's doing what he has to do to help the team win. At the end of the day, that's what you, your contract gets judged by. If over the seven years the Islanders win one cup, then the contract was worth it. Same thing with Horvat and Barzal. If they win right. one cup over eight years, right. and maybe they're not the key reasons why, they won a cup. That's the goal. Ethan, anything to add? Not, not no really. I, mean, I, I pretty, pretty much agree <laughs> with everything. You, you, buddy. I, I, no, I pretty much agree with, with everything you guys have said. Yeah. Um, you probably have to you know adjust expectations a little bit and since he's been up on that top line, Anders has played well. I, I look at that third period in, in Winnipeg, and you know the first shift of that period for Anders, I th- actually thought was probably the best individual yep. shift that any Islander had on that trip, where he had like mm-hmm. I think two or three uh, grade A scoring chances, and, and finally buried the, the third one. And it was almost like a, a moment of of him being like, I'm, you know, making sure that if they're going to go down they're going to go down fighting mm. um you know i think his leadership is still really you know highly respected in that room um i i don't think that there's really much of a path to to moving him even if it was something that that the islanders wanted and right now i don't think that that that's the case so given the 15 uh, bullet point presentation we just made for that answer, we don't think that Anders Lee is, <laughs> yeah. is going to be dealt at uh, half cost over the summer. Jake, you got anything else? I agree right there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's go back to T-Boyle over here. Do you think Lambert's assistants get removed, or do they remain for the rest of the season? And then also to add to that, is Varley close to returning? So let's start with Varley. He was on the ice today for the first time with his teammates. Um, he had been skating on his own, per Ethan Sears' report on this road trip, so good work there. Um, but... In terms of the assistance, we had talked about it. This is a tryout for them. Um, if it works out and they respond well to Wah and what Wah wants to do in the P- PK, I mean, again, it's going to be different for both. I don't think there's a situation where it's automatic that both are gone or both stay. Like right now, John McLean obviously over Hooter right now. McLean's the one staying. If the power play is able to keep doing what they're doing, um, and if the PK fixer figures it out and they respond well and now their PK in the second half of the year is the top five over that span, then you have reasons to keep Huda. Um, that being said, it's... Huda's going to have to knock it out of the park, I think, for him to keep his job. And again, it's also who Wah wants to bring in. If Wah likes McLean as a person, because it all matters about that too, not results. If McLean and and Wah butt heads even though the results are there, he's not keeping him. It's his decision to make. Yeah, it's his decision to make. Like Again, they could be successful or not. If Patrick Wah's comfortable with these guys, sure, he'll he'll keep them on, but he might just want to bring in guys that he's familiar with and be like hey this is my guy this is i know i can rely on him for this i can rely on that guy for this i think they stay for the rest of the season we kind of said that already earlier uh the summer is a completely different story i think that the chances go through the roof if they fail for the end of the season i think there's no question patrick was going to bring in new guys if they succeed maybe there's a chance one or both stick around yeah completely agree um you know if if they do really well and Patrick Raw wants to bring in his own guy, then maybe, like I said, you see a third assistant get added to the bench, or I think there are even some teams with four assistants. Um, so, you know, maybe you go that route. 
Uh, the one thing I would add with Farley is I, I do wonder if they will be a little bit cautious with, with bringing him back just because, if, if you remember, before he got hurt in Colorado, he missed he missed a game with, with a lower body injury then kind of said that he was ready to come back, played in Colorado, and um, I'm, I'm not sure whether they have said or, or we know as a fact that it's the same injury, but, you know, seems like probably he wasn't quite 100% and paid the price. Um, So, you know, I I would assume that that's something that they want to avoid. And Ken Appleby was also on the ice. They had three goalies this morning. So Appleby and Varlamov shared. It wasn't like, hey, Varley's the backup tonight. Varlamov is not. He's on IR still. He's not backing up. It's Ken. Okay. There you go, Jake. Or Kirk, whatever you call him. (laughs) Kyle McLean, Kirk McLean. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Jake, maybe one or two more if you got him. Cool. Uh, From Rectify Gaming, is Mike Riley a likely scratch again tonight? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We got time for another one. (laughs) What do you got, buddy? Yeah, wh- Mike Riley, what's your opinion on that, fellas, while Jake looks for another question? I thought it was – I understood it. Like, he had two penalties against Winnipeg, and obviously people – Islanders have taken a ton of penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of tonight, why he's not playing, I think Wad really was just sticking with the lineup. Um, again, I, right. I think, I think right. Riley's, like you said, is part of the f- – I think he'll get a one-year deal or a two-year mm-hmm. deal, even if it's him being the seventh guy. Right. Um, but I think what Riley's done this year since he's come here in the grand scheme of things – He's changed everything for the transitioning. That mm-hmm. being said, is mm-hmm. Wap preached the discipline in the D zone, the turnovers, things like that. And again, he's not a defense first guy. So that might be another reason why he's not in tonight. But I, I do think at some point this season, Riley will be in, whether it's Bold coming out or Aho. I, I just think Riley's has been too good in the games that he's had to not be in the lineup long term. I think he'll be back in sooner than later. Jake, you got anything else? Yeah, let's go back to NZAB09 here. Are Casey and Pollock dead? Why, is, <laughs> why, does, why does every other sport give a detailed injury report? Infuriates me that we have no clue when these players are coming back. Does it really keep the opposition off balance by not knowing about these injuries? To be fair, like, we haven't seen them, so they could be. No, uh, <laughs> no like, the reason they, it's secretive, it's secrecy from Lou. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't want teams knowing if they'll be back. We've seen that before where they don't run lines if a guy's hurt. Like, he's coming back. We don't know if he's going to play that night. We can't talk to them, but... Garth was like that, too. You watch... Jack. Yeah. yeah. You watch the replays. Again, I'm not a doctor. Way too much school. But you watch the replays with Pulak's injury and Zika's injury. To me, it tells me that it's the similar injury now. So Zika's took a slap shot. Fronick had, like, 109 slap shot when they were in Vancouver. The fastest shot ever recorded from the advanced stats in that game. Mm. And uh, Pulak got hurt on a Rowenski wrist shot. Mm. But they're both towards the ankle. They both mm. aren't... Or weren't skating Soft yet. Spots. So. To me, I, again, I'm not a doctor, but I would say it's an ankle injury for both. And uh, I just play one on TV. Stephanie, are you uh, a doctor? <laughs> yeah. But um, I would think that they'll, I don't think it's season ending. Um, I think if they were season ending, like we saw last year around the deadline a couple years ago, I think it was Mayfield and Clutterbuck. Again, yeah, they're done for the year. Um, but I think they'll be back. And if not, I do think at the deadline, if they're not going to be back, you can play the LTIR game and go and bring – like if they bring somebody in, a uh, right defenseman or a center, mm. that kind of tells you that they're probably out for the rest of the year. Ethan, but I don't think so. Sezikis, Pulak dead or maybe still alive? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I would like to um, I would I would like to welcome the questioner to the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Uh, his card will be in the mail. Uh, chapter, uh, I think the next meeting is is at the All Star Game or maybe the draft. Um, so you know, welcome, welcome to the club. Is it fifty dollars? Um, by the way, you have to but, send. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's dues. There's a whole thing. We'll send you an email. But, um, <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But, uh, but yeah, uh, 
not not dead. Uh, can, <laughs> okay, not dead. Can, Still alive. Can confirm, I think. Okay. Can dead. you confirm? Okay. Uh, mm. I mean, I think they would have announced. <laughs> That's uh, fair. That's fair. But uh, but yeah, that would have leaked. <laughs> that that would have leaked. <laughs> that, yeah, that would have. Only they could hit that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, all we really know is that they're they're not on the ice. I mean, you know, like Stefan kind of said, I think that we we suspect that those are both you know ankle injuries sustained from from blocking a shot, and you know, hopefully that doesn't mean that necessarily mean that it's something that that's broken but maybe it does you know there's no uh there's no mandate that they have to disclose anything uh other than you know upper body lower body which doesn't really tell you much um no so yeah we'll uh we'll have to wait and see there and um i i do think that from the islanders end like stefan alluded to it's it's just important that that by the trade deadline they kind of know what the situation is and, and right. so that they can operate accordingly in terms of LTIR, in terms of, you know, what their needs are and, and things like that. Jake, last one. If you got it, make it a good one. All right. Pressure's on you. From aisle 72, why do you think Guaco's here when other possible teams were on the horizon, including the Leafs? Well, it doesn't mean the Leafs, I think, were interested. I know that he was interested in Montreal and Ottawa. I think there were rumors. I forgot who reported it, so forgive me for that, but... Uh, obviously, Ottawa made their decision to bring in a new coach. Montreal, I um, obviously have, have a coach there. And I think it was just an, he was waiting for an opportunity. He said he thought the phone would ring. I said it before in, after he left Colorado. So I think this was a great opportunity for him, one, to get a team that's not out of it completely. This is a fight to win now. Um, it's probably a longer-term commitment. And, again, he had a great conversation with Lou that kind of sold him on this. And he had never – he doesn't really know Long Island. Again, his first game at Elmont's tonight – um, but I just think this was a perfect storm, similar to like the Mike Raleigh being on waivers at the right time, right moment. We don't know how long Waz been on standby for this. Um, but again, I think this is a great opportunity for him, again, to show that he could still coach in the NHL when he's been gone since 2016. Yeah, I think he was looking for an opportunity. Um, I, I think, and apologies if this is wrong, that, uh, that Pierre Lebron wrote last night that, uh, that he had interviewed for the Columbus job yep. over the summer and yes. lost out to Mike Babcock. Um, <laughs> obviously, that decision worked Jeez. out perfectly for Columbus, for Columbus. And, yeah. and nothing bad happened after <laughs> no, that. No, zero. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't he wait for another job? Because this is the one that was available right now, and you don't know when you're going to get another chance. Um, you know, you don't know that Sheldon Keefe is, is going to get fired or not. You don't know that, that anybody else will be. If, if another team does make a change, you don't know that they're not going to elevate an assistant coach or that they just, you know, won't be interested in, in what you have to bring. So if you're in that kind of position, I don't think that, that you can afford to be waiting around for the perfect opportunity and i think patrick wah probably you know understands that after like you said you know he left colorado and thought he would get a call from the nhl a lot sooner than he did and, and also too he spoke highly of the dynasty and walking mm-hmm. in the footsteps mm-hmm. and talking about that arbor was probably one of the best coaches ever so like i think there's a part again i think he said ethan if i remember last night that he, he was watching the dynasty on when he was in college or whatever high school i forgot what he was saying but like i think it's special for him to be it's not just a location for him like, this is a special organization to join, given what they've done, in the, and growing up watching those guys, you know? Yeah, and even recognizing that he hasn't been in the league since 2016, so he's probably been chomping at the bit for yeah. a job anyway. But going back to our discussion about Lou Lamarillo before, I think Lou has a lot to do with it, too. And Barry Trotz was a guy who said so when he was hired. You know, he was asked pretty much the same question, you know, why the Islanders? Why'd you come here? 
He said Lou Lamarillo. He said yep. I had a great conversation with Lou. I like where the team was going. I was into it, and and he ultimately signed the dotted line. And I think. You know, a previous general manager or two for the New York Islanders sits down with Patrick Waugh, conversation might go differently. Lou Lamarillo, he still has a ton of clout in this league, whether you like him or not. And the fact that he's able to pull Patrick Waugh in, uh, just a, a name among names in the NHL. We'll see how he does coaching-wise, but just an absolute legend in the NHL. He's coming to the New York Islanders. It's going to be it's going to be a great story. He's already we'll here. See what he, he's here. He he's already here. came. It's true. So I think you got to give Lou a little credit on that front, too. Okay. 100%. Completely agree. <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for Questions Brewing, which also means it's going to do it for the show. So, first off, I want to thank Ethan Sears for coming down, hanging out with us in person here. Coming awesome. straight from the ice, essentially. Practice, right? Yeah, and awesome. uh, having a great time. Really appreciate you coming on here. I want to thank all you guys tuning in live here. Twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY. Twitter. Facebook, YouTube, all over the place. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Really appreciate the questions. And, of course, i got to thank our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located right here at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Iceland. Make sure you come on down and check out the Butchie Burgers. They are outstanding. And go to bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. I want to send a huge thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation. And a big thanks to new sponsor A1 VIP Entertainment, your one-stop entertainment concierge for sports, concerts, Broadway, and more. One call does it all. 516-787-0048. And Stefan, where can we find you on the social medias and the interwebs? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore Rosner, the Hockey News Islanders and Rangers site. And NHL.com. Ethan, how about plug yourself there? What do you got, buddy? Yeah, uh, on Twitter at Ethan underscore Sears. Uh, I spell Sears like the store, S-E-A-R-S. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and you can find my work uh, on, at the New York Post uh, in print or at uh, NYPost.com. There you go. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY. You can check us out at HockeyNightNY.com. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Check us out. And if you haven't already, folks, it helps us out a lot. Rate review subscribe let us know how we're doing even if it's bad i mean we think it's pretty good but even if it's bad you can let us know and hey a big thanks to jake the snake radonis over here filling in for edzo great job buddy excellent stuff so for jake for stefan for ethan my name is sean cuthbert we've been hockey night new york thanks a lot for tuning in we'll see you next time